0: And ride with me in my foul life. Foul Life audience, what's up? Another episode of the Foul Life Podcast. Talking dogs, talking dog training. Remote e-callers, remote training callers. Dogtra makes the best. Ethical way of training your dog. No questions asked, no doubt. A- Axel, Duff, Slash, Izzy, Waylon. They've all been trained With a Dogtra caller, Brad Arrington at Mossy Pond, Andrew up at Wild Creek. Every trainer I know ethically uses remote training systems and callers. And that's what we're talking about today with the great Pete Fisher, awesome ambassador and employee at Dogtra, represents Yukonuba dog food. This is a great episode. I absolutely enjoy my conversations with Pete wholeheartedly. And I respect what the doctor brand is doing and i think that if you take the time to educate yourself on them there's not a better way in all of the sector to train a dog you don't put your hands on them they don't know where it comes from and that's what we're talking about today i'm proud to be part of the doctor family this is very serious to me because there's a lot of things going on in legislature and in politics right now with the use of these callers and to try to ban them and outlaw them. And it's just ludicrous to me. I want you to take this serious. Listen to what Peach says. Take direction from him. And remember to support our partners and sponsors. Right now, you can use the promo code TFL10 and receive 10% off any unit over $200 at Dogtra.com right now. TFL10. Go on there and get your new caller for training and for hunting, for execution, for keeping your dog safe. I want those dogs to execute on a daily basis, okay? I want them to know exactly what their duties are and to get there, get that duck and bring it back in the most reliable, fastest, safest way to make sure that everybody enjoys the hunt and that that dog, he or she is being utilized to the best of their ability. And we have a giveaway right now. One lucky winner is going to receive a 1900 1-9-0-0, 1900s wetlands, and all you got to do is follow at Dogtra Hunting Ops on Instagram. Dogtra, Dogtra Hunting Ops. Ops. Dogtra Hunting Ops. Follow that tagline. Follow that handle at Dogtra Hunting Ops. And then, second part of the giveaway is leave a duck comment on the last photo featuring the 1900s wetlands. As soon as you hear this episode, go on to at dogtrahuntingops on Instagram, follow that page, and then leave a comment about ducks on the last photo featuring the 1900S wetlands when one lucky winner is going to receive a brand new complimentary 1900S wetlands training remote collar system. The remote, the collar, the charger, it's all going to come packaged very nicely. Thank you, Doctra, for the contest. Thank you to our guest today, Pete Fisher, and thank you to the partnership we have with the Doctra brand. This is the Foul Life podcast, the great Pete Fisher, brought to you by Doctra Remote Training Systems. I hope you enjoy. You're in Minnesota right now, Pete? Yes. Have yeah, you got the, we've had
1: a little bit of cold weather already.
0: Have you got to hunt anything yet this fall? besides um, maybe does
1: well well no i I went on the duck opener but we just don't have any ducks around here anymore uh i pheasant hunted a little bit so um no i've been gone a bunch too we can talk about that it was out at the master national so
0: where was that held at
1: uh this year it was in oregon uh roseburg is where it was which is about four hours south of portland
0: was there a Good turnout, There's probably more dogs than they knew what to do with, or what's going on at the master. Yeah, national? well
1: that 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 thing's the master national retriever event has just grown out of control. I mean, it's uh, I think nine hundred to a thousand dogs.
0: Wow! Did mm-hmm. you? Oh yeah. What were you doing out there? Were you representing Dogtra? Uh,
1: yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, we're one of the sponsors of it. So I go out ahead of time and meet with trainers and. Put new batteries in units, you name it, some of that, you know, just goodwill stuff.
0: And is this um, to become a master hunter? Is that what the dogs are qualifying out there for?
1: Yeah, they got to be a master hunter. But then each particular year, they've got to have a certain amount of uh, qualifying scores at the master level in order to qualify for this. I don't know exactly what it is. I think it's six in a year. And if you qualify in that particular event, then you get two uh, passes towards next year's. So then I guess you need four and next year it's in, uh, Georgia.
0: Which, which, uh, which test starts tomorrow? It's the grand. Oh yeah.
1: That's the grand. Yeah. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah. Yeah,
1: That has, that's turned into a monster of an event as well. I don't know where that, you know, we're locked out. We're blocked out of that from doing anything with them because of a competitor.
0: Yeah. I think it's, it was in Idaho last year. I don't, I I think it's in somewhere up in the northeast this year if i remember right but i don't know uh, for last sure year, the
1: master national uh the master national was in uh idaho cuz i was at it it was uh north of boise a couple hours so but i don't know i'm looking it up here but yeah they've all you know all that the hunt test uh stuff has just gone gone crazy
0: do they um are you seeing an influx in dog trainers? Are you seeing an influx in dogs being purchased and not, or there just a bunch of everything popping up on the, in the world of dogs now, new trainers, new, new, new dog yeah. owners.
1: Yes. That that's what I'm seeing or have been seeing since over the last three years. But quite honestly, now I'm starting to see things throttle back, um, in a lot of different ways. I mean, I see, um, good litters of Labrador retriever puppies that people are not being able to sell that have all the genetic testing done on them, have all the, you know, good quality bloodlines dogs that are performance dogs and they can't get rid of them. Whereas a year ago, I was seeing litters out there, Chad, where uh, they were just household pets, uh, you know, nothing done on the hereditary health testing. And these people are getting eight hundred to a thousand dollars a puppy for them.
0: So, so what do you think's going on? Yeah. Is it the economy? Is it people? Uh, want
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. No question about that. I um, and we're seeing it. You know, everybody in the dog industry is seeing it now and then in, in the uh, and in the um, dog training world. So,
0: when you start thinking about what's going on with the state of the e collar right now. There's a lot of ramblings going on in different parts of the country. Um, social media is a big part of it. When you when you get the, I guess, the uneducated viewer that doesn't understand what we're doing with a training caller. Um, I myself don't think there's a more ethical way to train a dog as long as it's done the right way, which you and I have had several conversations with you know, the between the two of us, between the two of us and Brad Arrington. What what do you think the climate of that is in it's in a culture of America, in a culture of everybody's in everybody's business, everybody's a critic, everybody's a judge, everybody has an opinion, everybody has a keyboard. But on a bigger scale than that, Pete Fisher, um, we're going through a lot of things in our country where a lot of rights are have been tried to take a, you know, being taken away in the last few you know, 24 months, at least we've seen a huge display of just decisions being made that you just look at it and shake your head. This is, I've seen a lot on our, on our platforms where I don't think a lot of the, of the, the common population gets it, understands e-caller training. And that's why I want to continuously and consistently have you on Pete Fisher with Dr. Company is that. People have to understand what we're doing with these callers. Where do you stand on that right now? And at this point in your career, are you tired of it? Are you willing and passionate still to educate and talk about it? Where are where do you stand right now?
1: Oh, I, I think that never stops trying to educate with the use of the remote training caller, Chad. Um, there are so many uninformed individuals out there that are making decisions at many different levels. Uh, Legislative levels right now, they're attempting to do. We'll talk about that. But if we go back about a year or so, uh, Chad, remember the big Bruja Petco uh, decided to stop selling remote training collars, as they call them, shock collars, because that gets better attention um, to the to the to the to their cause. If, if we call it a shock collar, uh, us in the industry call it a training collar and an e-collar or remote training caller. We don't call them shock callers anymore. It works on static electricity, basically a form of it. But uh, you know, a year or so ago, Petco decided uh, for whatever reason, probably uh, I'm, I'm gonna guess that there was a force uh, from individuals uh, outside the company or even within the company that pushed an agenda that these aren't ethical, that these harm dogs. and. Um, and Petco decided to, to buckle, and um, and and again, they they did it uh, because of the what the pressure that was put on them. But it also cut back on their revenue because they sold a fair amount of them. And it wasn't that people just stopped all at once. And said, "Oh, Petco's not selling these devices anymore, so we're going to stop using them." People went elsewhere and purchased them. Um, but I think what happens is, is as these movements grow, grow in in size and strength, ultimately the anti-e-collar movement, their their ultimate goal is to ban the remote training calling.
0: Ban it, as in they don't understand it. So it's kind of like an anti wanting to ban hunting because they're voting with their heart and they're not voting with science. Have you ever seen a dog abused because of an e-collar? Um as far as something that is used as more than what it is intended for? Do you hear of these stories? Is it something where the trainer, we've had people out there that have shown that these can be used in excess, but what is the issue with, with the e-collar? Why do people think that it has to be banned?
1: Well, the, the first bit of information, if you search anywhere on online or talk to an individual that's against them, probably the first thing they're going to say is that these units can burn a dog which is completely, totally false. The remote training collar does not produce enough energy to burn anything. It's not like taking a fork or a knife and sticking it in your wall outlet. Uh, It doesn't have that kind of electrical force or energy that it can burn hide or tissue. Uh, No more than shuffling your feet across a dry carpet and going over and grounding yourself on a doorknob. That's the static charge that you get from the static electricity, and as I said earlier, remote training collars operate the same way, off of a form of static uh, uh, charge to the to the to the dog or to whatever it's touching, and so their first thing they gravitate towards is the fact that um, search the internet, you can find all sorts of information about how this unit can burn a dog, and what they've done, Chad, is they've confused that scenario that I just described, that um, the unit can't burn a dog, they've confused that with something called pressure necrosis, skin irritation from anything being fastened to a dog's neck. And it, what it does is when you leave it on there too long, too tight on the dog's neck, what it does is it stops the blood supply in the tissue, it has nothing to do with the energy that comes out of it. It's the force. It's similar to a bed sore, in a human being. And so what happens is is this dog develops a sore underneath uh, the training collar and and they'll take the dog to the vet and the vet doesn't know any better either. And they look at it and say, well, that looks like a burn to me. And so uh, we're gonna treat it as a burn. And so uh, it's no different, as I said earlier to something that's called a a pressure sore or a bed sore that a human being can get from laying in the same spot uh, for a prolonged period of time. And, um, you know, it'd be the same as somebody walking in and saying, well, my grandfather got uh, a burn on his hip from laying in a, in a bed uh, it, for a long period of time. It just can't happen. But the antis have grabbed that information. And fact is, right now, there is a movement in the state of New York. There's a bill introduced and all of us in the industry are aware of it to ban remote training callers in the state of New York. That is just happening right now in the last month.
0: So you're telling me that this, this idea of notion of banning the training collar is now a bill in legislature in the state of New York?
1: Yes, I'm I'm looking at it right now on my computer screen, and of course it it made the uh, uh, the Post Journal as where one of the places I saw it first uh, back here in October, and the, and the headline reads "Ban on Dog Shock Collar Sales Proposed in the State uh, in the State of New York." So it was introduced by a lady by the name of Rosenthal. She wrote uh, the the, uh, the bill. And she's actually been very, we've investigated this some and looked at her background. She's actually been very active in promoting um, uh, different uh, legislation on, on the front of pets and animals. So she's, she's the person that has uh, introduced this bill and um, and she's gonna see how far she can push it. So uh, our goal uh, as a manufacturer of the dog company, as well as many other uh, uh, companies, uh, our goal is to educate the, uh, this individual and the rest of the people that are gonna be potentially taking this and trying to push it across the, the goal line, so to speak, is to educate them on, on what I just talked about, that it can't burn a dog and that they are a very valuable tool in, uh, in training a dog. And so one of the calls that I was on, uh, if they ban these, then uh, let's say just as an example, let's move, let's fast forward and talk about the ban. If it does go in and become law, and so it's against the law to own or use a remote training collar in the state of New York. Uh, what is the, how are they gonna handle all of the canines that are out there that are trained with a remote training collar in the state of New York? by law enforcement, by military. Uh, these just aren't used by, you know, a lot of people think that uh, the, their quote shock callers just used uh, being implemented by some redneck back in the woods someplace. It's, it's not, they're all over. They're being used to uh, train pet dogs in New York. They're hunting dogs. Uh, Brad Arrington's got a facility up in New York where he trains retrievers. Uh, they're being used for canine dogs at the airport, at events. And so it goes, people just don't, uh, they, they seem to think that it's just, it's very short-sighted just to think that, well, we just get rid of these and, and it won't affect anything else. But in fact, uh, you're going to see dogs that are uh, not under as good a control. You're going to find dogs that are going, uh, that, that we literally are saving dogs' lives by training them with a remote training collar and keeping them out of a, a shelter I mean, that's just it's a tool that we use that to train a dog. And so uh, most of these people don't understand it. And uh, our goal right now, as this gets introduced, is to educate uh, and hopefully stop this before it goes any further.
0: Pete Fisher, I want to ask you this straight up. How, how could you get a dog to its full potential, his or her full potential, whether it's a guard dog, a security dog, a drug dog, a military dog? A sporting dog, hunting dog, pointer, retriever, flusher—how could you get these dogs to the level that they deserve to be at, to reach their close to, if not their maximum potential, without an e-collar? Is it possible?
1: Well, anything is possible, but I wouldn't say it's very easy. And, and the reason I say that is, you know, the the when you reinforce a command with any dog in any sector, all of the ones you just uh, rattled off there's always gonna be some distance in between you and the dog. And so timing is very critical when you reinforce a a command. And so the remote training caller gives us the ability to reach out and tap that dog at a great distance and let them know that we're still under control and we still can reinforce commands. Whereas uh, if we don't have that, quite honestly, the only thing we have, Chad, is to run out there and discipline the dog. Uh, So you better uh, be fairly fast because Four-legged dog normally can outrun two-legged man or woman pretty quick. So it just, we don't, it doesn't, uh, if you don't use a remote training collar, you have a dog that's not trained to its full potential, but quite honestly, you don't have a dog that has this this control that you see, uh, and in your your, uh, world, in my world, we see retrievers that will go out hundreds of yards and stop on a whistle and cast left, right, and back to pick up that duck that's laying out in a slough somewhere and bring it back to us that's just one thing one area where we've I've seen it personally over the years you know I've been in this world this retriever training world for a long time Chad and if you go back into the 70s and looked at the dogs the 1970s and saw the dogs that we had that were being trained they they couldn't hold a candle to the dogs that were we have today and most of it's the result of the remote training collar and the advancements in training and how we use it. So um, we just end up with much, much better dogs nowadays. And, and I could take that and go all the way down through, through every sector uh, that you just rattled off. Not just the, the hunting retriever world.
0: And that's a big deal because I want not just to maximize the dog's potential. Because I really have seen dogs do amazing things. I don't know if they could have gotten to the point of what we've witnessed over the last decade without the remote training caller. Talk to me a little bit about let's take performance out of it. Let's talk safety. Give me some instances, Mr. Pete Fisher of Dog Trier Company, of how we have saved dogs' lives, how we can tap that dog at a far distance from running into an area where they should not be running into. What are some instances where safety and and helping a dog survive or stay alive? comes in with the use of a remote training collar.
1: Well, you know, dogs are animals and, and every animal in my opinion needs to have some training. If we're going to try and domesticate this animal and have it be some practical use, whether that be a hunting dog or just a pet that uh, we want under control. And and so it's not running, you know, uh, taking off and running away and never coming back and getting hit by a car. So, you know, there's there's just so many different ways that we use the remote training collar to modify the dog's behavior, so that so that it is a, a a dog that we can that's a pleasure to have around, whether it be in the field or in the house. And and to give you an idea just how uh, misguided the these individuals are that are attempting to ban the remote training collar or the shock collar. Uh, much of this legislation that we see put forth. Is just on the remote training collar, uh, in other words, the transmitter and the receiver that you and I use to modify a dog's behavior. They they're okay with uh, the underground fence systems, you know, where you have a buried wire and the dog gets too close to it and he gets the static stimulation and he learns to stay. in. that's okay because these individuals might have that type of of uh, uh, setup at home for themselves, but. What they don't understand or don't want to understand is the fact that the underground fence system doesn't work any different than a remote training collar. It's just that a buried wire uh, puts the radio signal out and activates the collar on the dog's neck and keeps them in the yard. Uh, It doesn't have a human being pushing the, the button on the other end. But that's how misguided they are in that they don't understand it. They seem to think that there's some kind of different technology or that the dog feels something different. Because the the receiver that hangs around the dog's neck that's running around outside uh, in a containment system, a wireless system, you know, the brand names are many different. But invisible fence is probably the most common. That's the same principle as a remote training call. It's identical. It's just how they implement the, the activation of the receiver. They use it with a radio signal out of a wire. And you and I use it with our handheld transmitter. And it's just modifying the dog's behavior to stay in the yard. Uh, we're using it to modify the dog's behavior to come when it's called. So the, the antis are so misguided and, and uh, don't understand it. Uh, they seem to think, uh, I think they probably put a label on the remote training It's like a, an assault weapon, you know, and nobody's ever really uh, been able to tell me what an assault, what constitutes an assault, assault gun. But a training caller is no different than an underground fence system. And it's all—all all of it—we use to, to modify a dog's behavior, and and uh, and it's it's just it, they're they're very good and practical tools, and for some reason they've they've grabbed this scenario that I said earlier that they can burn a dog and they've run with it. You can find it all over. All you have to do is just a quick search on the internet. But just uh, they're a great tool, and uh, we just have to keep spreading the word as the manufacturer and as the association uh, of manufacturers of e callers that. These don't burn dogs, and they're valuable tools.
0: I've been all over here. You mentioned before our our mutual friend Brad Arrington at Mossy Pond Retrievers. I've been to several kennels. You've been to way more than I have, Pete Fisher. You've been to way more hunt tests than I have. But I have seen my fair share of dogs in the last two decades hunting Going through the hunt test scenario, trying to become qualified, whether it's at master level, whether it's qualified at all ages, whether it's to make the derby list, whether whatever it is, I've seen a lot of good dogs and I've never questioned how happy they are. One thing that I always see when I walk through Brad's kennel is how happy these dogs are and how how willing they are. In their desire to perform, would you agree with this that you don't see a lot of unhappy dogs that are trained consistently through this method?
1: Uh, I would agree with that one hundred percent. If it's like everything else in life, if it's done right, uh, you're going to have a dog that's much under much better control, and you know, again, if it's done right, you're going to have a dog that wants to work. You know, if I take you outside and. Uh, we activate any one of my training collars and get it ready to put on my dogs there. They don't run the other way. They, they come to me and cause they know it's time to work. And so it, it's, it, you know, I got into a conversation with somebody a while back and they said, you know, do you think it's uh, abuse of a dog? And I said, uh, from a dog trainer's perspective, and that's what I did for 30 years, an untrained dog is dog abuse. So a dog that people don't do anything with and they just, you know, don't ever train it in any way, shape or form. Forget about the, the remote training call for now. Let's say they never do anything with the dog. Uh, most dogs do not train themselves, just, just like a human being. Uh, if, if we don't send that child off to school and have some structure in its life with its parents or the people that surround it, um, God only knows, well, we do see some of it nowadays. We have, that's a whole nother show, but uh, individuals that that aren't don't have any structure in their life and they really don't contribute anything to society. And the dog would be the same way. If we don't take the dog and train it, give it a purpose in life. Uh, we have a dog that's just unruly. And, and for the most part, many of these dogs end up right back in a shelter and, um, and God only knows where they go from there.
0: What are companies like Dogtra? What can other individuals like you or myself, Pete Fisher do, to help in this cause. I mean, I've been involved in a lot of laws that were submitted or introduced to where we've educated the hunting army, we could call it, I guess. I don't use that name, mm-hmm. army, lightly. Please don't take it that way, anybody. But I'm saying that we've activated mm-hmm. them to contact our state senators, our, our assemblymen, our our councilmen and women. Um, Is this something we can get involved in and activate our our community because of our beliefs. And we do understand how beneficial these training, remote training callers are to a dog's life. Is there anything we can do?
1: Yeah, of course. Uh, I've always maintained the squeaky wheel gets the grease, right? So individuals should search this bill that's been introduced and the individual's name is Rosenthal and they should reach out to her. And, And especially if you're uh, a person living in, in the, the state of New York, and I'm sure you've got a fair amount of listeners that are in that uh, state and city, and so they should uh, reach out in a number of different ways, be respectful, uh, but also, uh, as I said earlier, voice your opinion on the benefits of this, and and um, I, I'm sure that, that this all goes back to um, an individual or some individuals that Um, said, hey, you know, we should get these banned in in the state of New York. And then that that starts the ball rolling, so to speak. But what happens, as we're all well aware of, is that let's say it passes in New York, and then you will have other states start start to take a look at this. And then pretty soon, uh, we're going to be looking at a, a ban that will go more than just the state of New York. And so individuals should reach out, should research this, should reach out. And uh, contact uh, the the people that are introducing this legislation, and and have a meaningful conversation with them.
0: So reach out to the office of Ms. Rosenthal, is what you're saying, in the state of mm-hmm. New York, and try mm-hmm. to have a conversation with her about the ethics and the and, and our thoughts of these mm-hmm. training remotes. Yeah,
1: yeah. I mean, her her name is Assemblywoman Linda Rosenthal. Uh, Democrat from New York, uh, she's introduced a bill, and it's A.10700 to ban the sale of uh, remote training collars. They call them shock collars in this article all over, um, and that that's the person that they should they should reach out to now. Just so everyone's aware of it, there's countries that have banned the remote training collar already. There there's countries such as uh, Denmark and Norway. Sweden have banned the use of remote training collars,
0: so it can happen. This isn't a oh, joke. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. Yep, Germany's banned them. Mm-hmm. Germany banned them here a while back.
0: What is your outlook right now, Pete? And what are you doing about this? Are there actions being taken by yourself or the companies you represent?
1: Yes, there's um, we have a manufacturers association called PETT, it's for the electronic training collar. Uh, Manufacturers Association, we've been around for eight years or so, and it's all the major remote training caller companies on the market. And um, we're, we are set up as a nonprofit. So nonprofits cannot lobby in this situation. What we can do is we can educate, in other words, we are, uh, uh, I'll be on a call uh, tomorrow with our group, and we are in the process of uh, creating information. Uh, trying to have a conversation with this individual and anyone else involved or that'll listen to us so we can uh, give them the information that we have and share the technology side of it that uh, where they say this can burn a dog and it's, it's in, written into the language that these units can burn a dog. And so uh, our goal is to educate. We can't lobby as a nonprofit organization, uh, but our organization will be and has been in touch with this individual already that we mentioned. And then uh, there's also a very large uh, pet training group called International Association of Canine Professionals. It's a very large group of pet dog trainers that's all across the country. And I just was down and worked there event. And I think it's a couple thousand people strong and they are uh, doing the same thing they have reached out because they are a, a pro e-caller uh, group that uses remote training collars all over. Uh, The the country, and they also have users, uh, trainers in the state of New York that are reaching out so that's what we're doing at this point, and uh, it's it's still in the early stages, but hopefully we can get enough information out and have a constructive conversation so they understand how these units work and the benefits of them.
0: Stay with us right here at the Fowl Life Podcast. We'll be right back with more from my friend Pete Fisher, representing the Dogture Company. Check out a few of these messages from our supporting partners. Please continue to support our partners and sponsors. Stay with us. We'll be right back with more of the Fowl Life Podcast. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Fowl Life Podcast. We'll be right back with more of Pete Fisher. Just wanted to talk a little bit about some of the partners that support us. Please continue to support the sponsors and partners that take care of us here. And remember... We do it because they support this culture. Yeah, it's a living. We make a living doing it, but we choose to work with brands that wholeheartedly and authentically promote and endorse and showcase the lifestyle of the American hunter, fisher, outdoorsman, men and women, kids. Support those companies that support us like Sig Sauer. This episode of the Foul Life Podcast is brought to you by Sig Sauer. It's about our freedom, our right to carry our Second Amendment rights, the right to protect our homes and our family and our dwellings and our communities. Okay, It's written in our Constitution, and Sig Sauer supports this lifestyle. I want to live a long and beneficial life. I want to see my daughter succeed. I don't want anything to happen to us. I want to protect all of these rights. We have the right to hunt. I want to protect that right. I don't want a a mistake to happen. I don't want violence to happen. I want to be alive forever, and Sig Sauer supports Everything that we stand for here at The Foul Life and all of our sister brands, all of the brands that we promote, we love our freedoms. And that's why we work with Sig Sauer. They're designing and building the best handguns on the market. Their brand is standalone. It's one of the strongest brands in the sector right now. Thank you to Sig Sauer for being a presenting sponsor of The Foul Life Podcast. We could not do this without you. Today's episode of The Foul Life Podcast. Is also brought to you by Avery Outdoors, the original 1994 Memphis, Tennessee. Check out AveryOutdoors.com. Part of the Banded Brands family, the heritage, the, all of the apparel in the Heritage collection, the jackets, the bibs, the waders, the hats, the gloves, the boat blinds, the ground blinds, and Avery Sporting Dog and all the dog accessories, dog crate, kennel covers, all of the bumpers, the easy, all of our Avery True Birds, our ATBs. It's all there right now at AveryOutdoors.com, the original. We are so proud to have Avery Outdoors as part of our Fowl Life podcast and as part of the Banded Brands umbrella. Today's episode of the Fowl Life podcast is also brought to you by Dickies. Remember to work hard, America. Dickies is working is building work clothes and workwear for the American man, the American woman. I don't care if it's the coveralls, the overalls, the pants, the shirts, the hoodies. Every single stitching that they make is well thought out, and it is for the American worker, the world worker. Where are you working today? W h e r e? Don't forget to listen to episodes of our Dickies Workwear podcast series. We're fired up for it. Thank you, Dickies. Today's episode of the Foul Life podcast is also brought to you by Meet Meet Your Maker. These grinders, these vacuum sealers, these tumblers, these mixers, all of their saws and boning materials, they're an unbelievable company. They're innovative, and the new grinders have two different settings on them, one for the initial grind, one for the fine grind. We are fired up for the 2023-24 season. We are going to be making so many awesome wild game recipes with venison, with fish, with ducks, with geese, with pheasant. It doesn't matter the wild game that we're pursuing and harvesting. Meet Your Maker, the meat company, gives us the ability to be unorthodox and think outside of the box in our think outside of the box in our approach to wild game cuisine and recipes. Check out theproviderlife.com. Today's episode of the Foul Life, last but not least, is brought to you by the provider, theproviderlife.com, our cookbook, 264 pages, 80 recipes, our dry rubs, the original 10, and now the two new ones are being introduced to market, the brand beef rub and the mother clucking chicken rub. We're fired up for it. There's so much more to come from the provider. Be unorthodox Like I said, think outside the box and master your wild game instincts with your culinary habits. We are fired up to have another episode of the foul life podcast brought to you by these presenting sponsors. Now back to Pete Fisher right here at the foul life podcast brought to you by Dogtra. Let's listen to the rest of this conversation. It gets more and more important. Please act on this. We have to make sure that we protect all of our rights as hunters, fishermen, outdoorsmen, men and women, young and old. Thank you, Pete Fisher, for being here. Here's the conclusion of today's episode of the Foul Life Podcast. So are you worried? Are you nervous about this? Does it scare you that that this is being done because of the climate of our our, our politics right now, the climate of our country as a whole? Does it, are you more scared than ever right now that, that this is real?
1: The way I would answer that, Chad, is I think this is a, a very credible threat to the use of the remote training caller. and quite honestly, probably the most credible that I've seen. Uh, again, I said earlier it's in the early stages, but it's uh, it, it's gonna it's gonna get uh, not just thrown on a shelf somewhere for and get buried. This is gonna this individual has pushed uh, different animal rights uh, agendas in the past, so it's a credible threat. And we're treating it that way, as the Manufacturers Association and Dog is.
0: Where, where, where would we be? Okay, when you say it's in the early stages, how does this play out? Do we have some time to to activate and and get messages into the people that we need to get them into?
1: Yes, for sure. It's it's in the early stages. I think it was introduced, Chad, in late September, and you know it's like all government. Uh, BS, you know, it takes a long time, fortunately, to do anything with it, so it's got a whole process that it's got to go through, um, and, and so we're in the early stages of it, so that's, you know, a good thing that uh, that we were aware of it, and so but it, it's, it, it hopefully will be, uh, we'll get enough information and enough people generating you know, positive opinions on the remote training caller, that at least, uh, I don't know if you'll ever change this person's mind, you know, that, that, but at least we will get enough information to other individuals that are uh, higher up the the food chain, so to speak, in, in the state of New York, that will, will shelf this or, or say this isn't going anywhere. But, Right now, it's in the early stages, so now is the time to act, you know, uh, try and do something about it before it, the, the ball gets rolling too far down the hill too fast.
0: We need to react. We need to activate. You heard the bill number. We're mm-hmm. going to have it at the beginning and at the conclusion of this episode of the Fowl podcast. You'll have more information <clears throat> on who to message, who to contact regarding this issue in the legislature in New York State. We will provide the bill number, the representative's name to contact. We have to activate. And this is just the hunting community, but we will get this message out to law enforcement. A lot of different entities like Pete Fisher alluded to use and depend on the remote training caller to train dogs to their fullest potential, both male and female. All sorts of breeds of dogs have been trained Mm -hmm. and continue to be trained on a remote training system. So let's pay attention. Let's come together. We want to keep the culture Of the sporting dog alive, I'm talking right now, you know, a little biased on the sporting dog. I have a huge amount of respect for the sporting dog and we take care of our dogs. I've never seen happier dogs, more well-trained dogs, dogs that perform on a daily basis. The nutrition programs, the diets that are out there, dogs are living a dream life right now through training and hunting, being in the outdoors, being active, guard dogs, drug dogs, police dogs, military dogs. These dogs love what they do. If you're around these dogs, the last word that comes to a mind is sadness or abuse or anything like that. It's quite the opposite. These are the message that we need to portray to the individuals who might not understand what's going on with the remote training caller. But myself, I don't think there's another way to train a dog, let alone the ethics of it, of never putting your hands on a dog, giving them a slight tick, getting their attention, keeping them safe reinforcing like Pete Fisher alluded to in the beginning of this conversation. I don't know of a better way, Pete. I truly don't. I've never seen a dog do the things that they do like I have with the ones that have been trained with this style of the remote training collar.
1: I agree. And and unfortunately, many of the individuals that are anti-e-collar people have never seen a trained dog in their life. Never. They just haven't. No, been, no, huh? they've never, you no, know, they don't. Uh, that they, they wouldn't know what a good working dog is. They've never seen the benefit of training a dog in general with without an e-collar, and uh, they've never seen a uh, a dog work out in the field. They've never seen a dog, uh, a canine dog, uh, where these dogs are high-drive dogs. And and you remember the the movie that just came out here in the last couple of years about the Belgian Malinois. Now there's been a big rush for for everybody to breed and go get Belgian Melanois. These are high drive dogs. These are the dogs that when you go out and, and find dogs that are being used as security dogs, crowd uh, control dogs, these many of them are the Belgian Melanois. And to, to try and harness that energy and keep control on these dogs is, is very uh, demanding, but they're, they're great dogs and do a, a great job at what they do. To try and train these dogs without the use of a remote training collar is it can be done, but you just don't find many people that, that can do it. And and so it, it, what I said earlier is, you know, it affects more than just, uh, you know, their, their idea is that they're being the, the antis think that uh, this is just some hillbillies somewhere using uh, a shocker collar as they would call it uh, to control their hounds. And it's way deeper than that. The remote training collars ingrained in, a, in, in every sector now and uh, to go down and work this IACP event, the International Association for Canine Professionals, that's pet dog trainers, and to see how many uh, individuals are training pet dogs. Now, in every major city, uh, New York, Minneapolis, There's, there's, we just have better trained dogs, better mannered dogs from the use of the remote training collar, so it's not just uh, like I said earlier, just one sector of of people that want this, it's being used by a lot of different individuals. So that's something to keep in mind. Yeah, we're the we're the retriever community and we have a large voice. And, and we have many, many, many of us out there that use it, amateurs and professionals. But quite honestly, Chad, we are a small number when it comes to the pet dog world, the pet dog world. Uh, there's yes. more and more pet dogs out there. Yes. And they're being and and in the last 10 years we've seen a great uh, influx of the remote training caller in the pet dog world so uh, they they have uh, started a movement also the IACP group and they are reaching out to this uh, individual as well so we're going to come at them from many different aspects of uh, of trying to show them that you know the remote training caller is not just Uh, for one particular uh, type of dog
0: or breed of dog or sector. Is it fair to say that, um, you know, through the USPCA, through the Humane Society, through the breed or the, the, the boarding, the adoption programs that are out there, it's nothing wrong with adopting a dog. I never would, I'm not qualified enough to talk on it, but, I would bet if I was a betting man, Pete Fisher, I don't think many dogs that are trained, especially with the use of a remote training collar that are owned by a family or a dog owner or a pet owner that have trained that dog. That dog's never given up, never lost, never put into that situation of needing to be adopted. Again, there's nothing wrong with this, Um, but. These dogs are lifelong pets. These dogs are bred through generations and generations of bloodlines that the same family will own. That same family will have that bloodline out in the dog world forever because of how well trained these dogs were, whether it's their disposition, their personality, their ability to perform, their ability to hunt, their ability to protect, whatever it is. I don't see a lot of the dogs that are trained through this method. One being unhappy to being put in the position to have to go through an adoption or a, you know, a service like we, that I'm mentioning right now. And I have for sure never seen one that doesn't get the attention of everybody around Of Like, wow. And I'm going to end my comment by saying just now in New York, hunting the molt migrators in upstate New York, I hunted with a lot of people that, that, I, that aren't in my normal hunt group. And every single one of them would step out of the blind to watch the dogs perform. And I am an average mm-hmm. at best handler. These dogs are trained by professionals. They are are handed off to me to handle and I'm average at best. And the performance that I get being a average or below average handler is amazing to where people are like, I've never seen anything like that. Oh my gosh, that dog just got that goose. He was 300 yards away. How'd you know where he was? Da 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 da. Like this is a, this is what's going on daily in the duck blind, the goose blind, performance dogs, protection dogs, security dog, guard dogs, whatever it is, they are wowing people because of their performance. And that is because of the way they were trained through the remote training caller, in my opinion.
1: Uh, No question. And to your first point about dogs that are living in society, let's just, let's talk about more about the pet dog world. And those dogs uh, that come out of a shelter uh, that have uh, had some training and specifically training with a remote training collar have a much greater uh, chance of staying in their new home than uh, a dog that has no training and just keeps getting shuffled from uh, owner to owner to owner and then back to the, uh, the facility, the, you know, that, the rescue quote facility that takes these dogs back so yeah, the, the remote training collar is responsible for, for us having much better trained dogs. Uh, I've told this story many times. Uh, my current dog is Trey, who's a, an AKC master hunter. He's a nice dog. He's uh, well-trained, fun dog to hunt with, fun dog to have around. If you took uh, myself and Trey and took us back in time, uh, you know, back to the future, so to speak, uh, in that movie and took us back into the 1960s, and 70s when remote training collars were in their infancy and and really weren't being used all that much. And if you were able to take me and my dog and take me back and and let us exist in the retriever training world and specifically in the field trial world, the trainers back then would not be able to comprehend one bit uh, the level of training that this dog has and the things he could do and at the distances he can do them. So fast forward into our world right now, and there are tens of thousands of dogs out there like my dog Trey. Uh, why? Because all of us have learned to use the remote training collar, and have inv- advanced our training techniques so much in the last since the 1970s. They don't. They wouldn't even. Don't even barely look like the same dog or the same type of training because of the complexity of the training uh, and the tests that are involved nowadays compared to what they were back in the 70s. And so uh, I've been around this this business for a long time and I've seen this develop. It just didn't happen overnight. I mean, we were into the 80s, the 90s, the 2000s. We had advancements in the remote training collar, how we implement the stimulation, uh, how we're able to vary the amount of stimulation for the dog's personality. So we've changed the way the remote training caller uh the features and functions on it and we have gotten better training methods out of that as well. And so we have dogs that are much better in every aspect. Just I'm talking the retriever world nowadays than when you than when you go back into the
0: 70s, Chad. I couldn't agree more. And I think that I think that with your education and your experience and your expertise, Pete, that I just wish that there was more of a learning period in people's minds before they jumped to conclusions. I just really wish there was, I mean, it goes, it goes down to things like trained dogs hunting bears in California that are amazing performers that are helping manage the predator population. These bears are so out of control in California now. I saw three dead on one highway. I've never seen three bears dead on a road. And I'm talking within a 35 to 45 mile drive, Pete Fisher. These bears are not being managed anymore Um, because we can't, we can't, you can't hunt them unless you have dogs and that's illegal in the state of California. Now the cougar population, which used to be kept in check in states like California through the use of well-trained hounds and dogs through collar training is now out of control. Not to mention all the tourism that's being lost, all the hunting dollars and money that's being lost through licensing and taxidermy. I could keep going on and on. We have to activate things that start in California will spread eastward. Things that start in New York will spread westward. That's just the natural trickle-down effect. We have to get involved. I've seen this through water rights. I've seen this through hunting rights. I've seen this through conservation easements. I've seen it all over with all these bills that continue to be introduced into legislature. We have to fight back. And fight might not be the right word, but we just have to activate and let our voice be heard. Because a lot of times... They get taken out right away once somebody has a better understanding of what's going on. But we can't just sit back and be idle and have this attitude right here. Oh, that'll never happen to us. Really? Did you think that you would never be able to shoot steel shot in the state of California? I mean, lead shot at a dove in the state of California or at a quail now or at a pheasant? Did you ever think that would happen? Did you ever think you'd have to get a background check to buy 22 ammo to go plink with your eight-year-old nephew and your nine-year-old daughter? Did you ever think that would happen? No, it's happening. And we have to activate and we have to do it now because who knows where the ends insight, once they get a little nibble, they keep going. It's like the the cut with a thousand band-aids on it. They just keep going and going and going and we have to stop it. So I appreciate the insight, Pete Fisher. I I, I think that we continuously have you back on the Falli podcast. Uh, one, you're a great guest. Two, you have great insight. And three, you help us. You know, get activated like this. So, if you have any closing words, let me know for the audience um, where they, where that, what they can do again. What's going on with Dogtra right now as a brand? Give us a little insight on that as we go out of another episode with Pete Fisher right here at Dogtra Presents the Foul Life Podcast.
1: Sure. Well, thanks for having me, Chad. I appreciate it. Uh, what we're doing right now from a manufacturer standpoint is we have the organization, the manufacturers association that we'll be working uh, on all of all of the manufacturers of the remote training callers. I'll be on a call tomorrow and we will start formulating a plan on how to uh, attack, I guess is the best word that I can use uh, this particular bill and, and educate uh, Ms. Rosenthal on, on the benefits of the of the remote training caller. And so that's gonna be what's the, the first step for, for DOGTRA and the Manufacturers Association uh, what individuals can do that are listening to this when it comes out is uh, they can it won't take much you just have to search uh, Linda Rosenthal uh, she's an assembly woman in New York that's the woman that has introduced this bill and uh, and and the and the number on the bill is a is an apple dot 10700 uh, and it's uh, to ban the sale of of these devices in the, in the state of New York so that's individuals that want to reach out, it doesn't take much to find that, and uh, and you'll be able to find her email address and phone numbers, and again, I would just say to be respectful, uh, try and educate, that's really the biggest thing, and I, I, one of the things that resonated with me, Chad, as you were talking in the end there was how, how people don't understand uh, many different things that they get very passionate about. And, and how many times I'll be sitting and I don't watch a lot of mainstream media news for, for my own personal reasons. But when I do uh, catch some things that just uh, really resonate with me are when the news media or even people in our uh, uh, legislation uh, branches, senators, representatives, when they start talking about gun control and they start talking about and being confused between an automatic shotgun and a semi-automatic. And that gets confused so easily. And I own how many semi-automatic shotguns? And I hope like hell they never ban them. The truly automatic uh, gun in this country has been banned for a lot of years. But unfortunately, a lot of of people don't understand that. And even the people that make our our laws don't understand the difference between automatic and semi-automatic. This has the same trickle-down effect to the remote training caller that they call them a shock collar. They say they can burn a dog. And the, the reality is, is what I just explained for how long here at the beginning of the, of the podcast is that a remote training collar does not produce enough energy to burn anything. You can take it and put it on a piece of raw chicken and you can put it on the highest level of stimulation and you can push that button all night long. And then let me know the next morning if you were able to cook any of that raw chicken with a remote training collar. It does not have enough energy to burn anything. So there's a lot of misconceptions with many of these uh, uh, topics that get thrown around and batted around. But this one here, as I said earlier, is, is a very credible uh, threat to the use of remote training callers. No doubt.
0: A.10770. Zero seven seven zero, is that correct?
1: 10700. Zero zero zero. A one zero seven zero zero is the is the number on the bill
0: one zero seven zero zero a dot one zero seven zero zero New York miss Rosenthal let's let's email her. like Pete said no ignorance no disrespect education passion respect that's what hunters do speak clearly check your spelling put a good message out there of why you don't want to see this happen I just left New York It's a wonderful state. I even had a lot of good things to say about the city. I love the culture. there. I'm going back. A lot of people that do what I do or live in the world that I live in, they say, you can have New York city. I love New York city, but I was also in Casanova, and Syracuse and Buffalo all over the St. Lawrence river, Mm -hmm. all the boroughs of the city. I love New York. Be respectful. Talk to Miss Rosenthal, send her a message. And if we all do it. Maybe she will react and see that this truly is the best way to train a dog, all different forms of dogs and pets. I appreciate you being on, Mr. Pete Fisher. I appreciate everything Dogtra does for our brands and what they continue to do in innovation where they strive for excellence and ethical training for pets, sporting dogs, hunting dogs, guard dogs, police dogs, military dogs. Dogtra is doing it. They're an amazing brand. And we're proud to have them as a partner here at the Foul Life the podcast, as well as the Benelli presents the foul life TV where you can find new episodes airing exclusively right now on the outdoor channel, where you can see the Dogtra callers in action and watch Axel, watch Duff, watch pistol, watch the dogs that are on there on a weekly basis and tell me that they're not awesome. They are awesome. And they're awesome to be around. I'm telling you, just come spend an hour with Axel or Duff. You'll be in love. You won't want to believe them. And I'm going to look at you and say, that's because they're trained and they were trained with a remote training caller from Dogtra. period. Pete Fisher, Chad Belding, the Foul Life podcast, another episode brought to you by our friends at the Dogtra Company. Check them out at Dogtra.com right now and use the code in checkout. Dogtra.com in checkout. Use TFL10 for 10% off of any purchase over $200. Get a collar. Learn how to use them. Contact people in the Dogtra family. Send them direct messages on Instagram or Facebook. Learn this. There's a ton of tutorials out there. Ask your local kennel, your local dog trainer. It's always a great idea to go to seminars. It's always a good idea to go to instructional courses on how to use these. There's a ton of instruction out there. Again, Dogtra.com at checkout, receive 10% off with TFL 10. And here's what we're going to talk about. Pete Fisher and I have great news today. We're going to give away a Dogtra 1900S Wetlands Edition. All you have to do is follow a couple rules. Follow at DogtraHuntingOps on Instagram. Dogtra. Hunting Ops, OPS. Follow Doctra Hunting Ops, and then you're going to leave a duck comment on the last photo featuring the 1900S Wetlands. Once this episode becomes available right here on all of your podcast listening platforms, whether it's Apple Music, Pandora, Spotify, YouTube, you're going to be able to go on to Doctra Hunting Ops, follow them on Instagram, and leave a comment on the photo you see the 1900S Wetlands. It's going to be a duck comment. Good luck. I hope you guys have a great chance, guys and girls. Good luck in winning the 1900s Wetlands Edition. It's the caller that we use here at The Foul Life. Thank you again, Pete Fisher. Thank you, Doctra. Listen to this song right now. This is 2 AM Logic. The song is called My Foul Life.